1: Innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.
2: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
1: What up, y'all? This came on, man, that was a hard game to follow up to hard loss. Uh Man, we started off good, but uh, it's, it seems like it's more that defensive team, that, that zone just don't work for us. Uh, the D-line got great push here and there. They were looking good. But then on offense, I mean, Heineke just ain't the guy. Don't get me wrong. I like Heineke, but it's like if his throws are not a little high, they're behind, they're late. You know, for us to have success, you know, more than just a couple of games, Heineke is just not the guy. You know, let me know what y'all think. This was a game we should have won. Simple as that. Uh yeah. Ahawa.
3: You are Locked On Washington football team. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: We're locked on. Washington Football Team Podcast. I am Dave Harrison, Washington Football Team. Right he is Chris Russell, one half of the Russell Men Show on the Team 980 Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on the Odyssey app as well. We thank you for making the Locked on Washington Football Team Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. And we're also on Twitter at RussellMania 621 at harrison 82 and at Locked. WFT pod in week five of the 2021 NFL season, the Washington football team loses at home in FedEx field 33 to 22 to Jameis Winston and the new Orleans Saints. Ron Rivera falling to familiar foe Saints head coach, Sean Payton, Chris you're there sitting at FedEx field still. As we speak, as we record this episode, you dropped an immediate analysis reaction video for the network, which will be up on our Twitter uh, page here shortly before this episode is published. What is uh, what is your initial takeaway from this game after watching uh, watching what went down with Washington on Sunday?
2: Well, he, here's the deal, David. I don't know if I could boil it down to just one, uh, but I will just say the entire team uh, pretty much outside of ironically, Dustin Hopkins, the entire team pretty much stunk today. And. Um, you know, maybe that's harsh for a game that was 13-13, and maybe that's harsh for a game, you know, that at one point in the fourth quarter early on was 27-22. But you have to look beyond the final score. And my spin on this, my big takeaway from this is don't much like week one when the Chargers only won 20 to 16, David. This did not feel like a 13-13 game necessarily at the mm-hmm. end of the half until a uh, Hail Mary made it 20-13. to 13. This did not feel to me in person, live, and in living color uh, like a 27-22 game early in the fourth quarter. This, to me, felt like the New Orleans Saints basically jab, 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 and whenever they wanted, they threw the overhead right. So – Maybe that's unfair. Maybe I'll feel differently when I go back and I watch the tape. I don't Mm -hmm. think I will. Uh, I I think I know what I saw in person. Uh, I think that's how I feel. I think that's how I will feel. I don't think this was a good day for the offense. I don't think this was a good day for the defense. I think it was a better day for the special teams. Um, But I I mean, th- that being said, that's, you know, th- okay, that might be one right. positive. Uh, I don't think this was a great day for the coaching staff. I don't think this was a good day for the organization. Uh, I don't think there was a lot of good things to take out uh, of this. It's not, to me, it's not just, not just a disappointing loss. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's, it's like, it's almost like Murphy's Law, right? It's like, it seems like every week there's just kind of a different facet of this team that fails to impress whether it's the kicking game and part of the special teams, whether it's the offense, whether it's the defense, there's just always kind of a misfiring cylinder within the engine. That's trying to make this Washington football team move towards a victory. And, and you mentioned Dustin Hopkins coming out, you know, clean in this game. And that's great, but listen, when you talk about the three phases of the game, you can win when your special teams isn't firing on all cylinders. You can win if your offensive defense is firing, but your special teams is not. You can't win if special teams is the only thing you're doing well. On the field and that's pretty much kind of sums up the, the entirety of this game. The offense just just looking super poor uh, at, at moments and honestly and this one I think looking average probably at best is, is really at their best points in this game looking average and I'm looking at, at a at a at a double digit drive. Again, uh, I think 69 yards they end up really deep in Saints territory and they walk away with the field goal like at their best. They look like an average unit against the defense that like the Saints defense isn't, you know, bottom of the league by any means, but they're also not top five, top ten. This is a defense you should be Mm -hmm. able to find some success with, especially with some of the weapons uh, that the team have, even with listen, even with the injuries, you know, even with Deami Brown, out, even with Cam Sims out. There are guys on the field here that can make plays. uh, and, And one of those guys, J.D. McKissick, you know, I saw several people tweeting criminally underused in this game when you don't have a lot of things going on get some things out there, try some new things. There were some moments where I kind of applauded Scott Turner. There were some moments where I kind of scratched my head and, and kind of did the whole Homer Doe situation. So, yeah, a rough game all around. And, and Chris, here's here's what I'm going to take away. Here's kind of like the initial thing that I think of when I walk away from this game and Camion hit on it, and I know that other people have hit on it. Taylor Heineke ain't it. You know what I mean? He's, he's the best quarterback on this roster right now. I'm going to give you that, and I'm going to give Taylor that, and that's very clear uh, in a way, but there were a lot of people early on in this, you know, I don't want to call it an experiment cause that kind of degrades, you know, the, the human experience of this thing. Um, but there were, there were people early on who wanted to kind of crown him the starter for the season for the rest of the season, even if Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back, it should be Taylor Heineke. And there were, honestly, there were people saying we don't even need to worry. Like stop talking about Deshaun. Stop talking about Aaron Rodgers, Stop talking about maybe even Russell Wilson or the draft. Stop talking about all that stuff. Taylor, if he's given the opportunity, if he's given the chance, he's going to be the guy. And I know we've had some callers also call in and say he's basically a rookie. And, and I know that we're probably going to get some more of that, but here's, here's kind of what I'm going to, here's how I kind of look at Taylor Heineke, right? Taylor Heineke has a lot of Jameis Winston type of tendencies to him. He's a, he's a gunslinger. He's a risk taker. And sometimes those risks include throwing the ball into double coverage to an undersized a uh, wide receiver that's down your depth chart, like a guy like DeAndre Carter, who's in double coverage against you know the New Orleans Saints defense. That's some of the risk that a guy like Taylor Heineke is willing to take. Jameis Winston, at a time in his career, would still very, very oftentimes take those risks. We still see Jameis Winston do some some head scratching things from time to time and make some dumb plays, what what we would call dumb plays. But his development, he has gotten better over the years, and you still see a little bit of development. That first inter, or that interception, honestly, more of a miscommunication. I think when they go back and talk about, it, they're going to say it was more of a miscommunication than it was a bad decision or a bad throw by James. I think there's going to be two players not on the same page more than anything else. The fumble and kind of happens. Chase Young's first sack of the season and the strip fumble. Taylor Heineke is just simply making bad decisions. And yes, I understand he's kind of like a rookie when you take, take in the amount of games he's played. But Jameis Winston is still younger than Taylor Heineke and has years of development, experience, and lessons learned under his belt. Taylor Heineke is almost 29 years old. He doesn't have the time to develop the way that a guy like Jameis Winston does. The way that I heard people compare him to Brett Favre during the broadcast, Chris. I don't know if you're aware of that. Talking, they talked. said basically his play style is similar to that of Brett Favre's. Again, Brett Favre had years and years to develop and learn from his mistakes to become the Hall of Famer that he became. Taylor doesn't have that time. And quite frankly, the Washington football team doesn't have that time to develop Taylor into that. And for everybody who wants to kind of take Taylor's back and say, well, you shouldn't come at him. It's not his fault that he's so young and inexperienced. Listen, he asked for this job and he wants this job and he wants to come out there Mm -hmm. knowing the expectations this team has just as much as anybody else. Taylor is not a victim here. Taylor is, is, is part of his own manifest destiny. He's simply not making the right decisions
2: at some of the most critical points in the game. Listen, there is no doubt that Taylor Heineke needs more time to develop, needs more time to play, needs more seasoning. We all understand that. Everyone understands that. Ron Rivera, well, Scott Turner, every I don't fan know if should, everybody understands it, though, Chris. Well, they, they should. Well, well, all right, so th- right, they should, right. okay? Now, whether they have that time or not, that's a whole different issue, and I would largely agree with you. They don't have the time, right? It is, look, every week they – Today is a must-win week. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but this organization does not have the time to be patient, cultivate, and develop. And like you said, some, and some good points, Taylor Heineken he's not 23. No, he's, he's 29. Um, the other thing is, is I, that I would just add is his play style in terms of his scrambling may remind you of Brett mm. Favre. That's all that reminds you of Brett Favre. I mean, in in order to be Brett Favre, yes, who was a high wire act, but you've got to have the rocket for an arm that Brett Favre had, and he doesn't. So, you know, so let's stop with that comparison. okay? Um, that being said, listen, um, (laughs) David, Taylor Heineke threw for 248 yards in this game, but, but I would say, I would say, and this is me um, at least uh, let me see. There was two completions of 26 yards and 26. 26- six yards on the Antonio Gibson last touchdown run, the one yard mm-hmm. touchdown run on the 75 uh, play drive. And then there was a 27 yard pass to Adam Humphreys after the Kamara 19 yard touchdown pass, which again, made it an 11 mm-hmm. point game. I would say this, of course you count right. those, but to me, you don't really count them. If we're being fair, if we're being like, when the game was really there, when the game was competitive, Um, I really felt that Taylor Heineke was, you know, right around 160 passing yards on the day, honestly, and two awful interceptions. Um, The one to Paulson Adebo under throwing Curtis Samuel. I'm not sure what he saw there because there really was no window uh, there that I saw unless you were going to throw it. To the back pin corner of the end zone Not the front pin corner of the end zone And then the other interception to P.J. Williams You know, he they're backed up again Because as he put it, their punter kept punting the beep out of the ball, right? Which he's right. They were pinned in inside their five, I don't know, three, four different times in this game. That one was on a third down, if memory serves me correct. And he actually had time. He had time as he kind of scrambled and sort of kind of sauntered over to his left. And he still made a terrible decision, a terrible read. So, you know, I, I, I look. We might be harder on Taylor Heineke than our audience wants us to be, but I, I'm not doing my job. You're not doing your job. If I don't at least tell you that I think some of the numbers pumped up to 248 are misleading, mm-hmm. uh, at at best, and. i I would tell you to me this was more disappointing than his performance in buffalo two weeks ago another game that i was at because this saint's defense isn't as good as the buffalo defense
0: absolutely and and listen i mean another week another quarterback conversation to have and of course the team still has some drama off the field that they're going to be dealing with so all of that sounds familiar to us sounds familiar to our listeners uh, but something else that's going to sound familiar to a lot of people is the litany of devices that we have these days to consume all of our entertainment. I mean, you've got one device that lets you catch the game live. You got another one that has you streaming your favorite shows. You watch sports highlights on your phone. You got your neighbor's best friends login for the rest of the stuff. Well, we're going to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called direct TV stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part there's no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible compatible device required. Content varies by package. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime
2: Hi, right, this is the Lock on Washington Football Team podcast. Thanks for making LOWFT your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Along with David Harrison, I'm Chris Russell. Uh, here at FedEx field after another disappointing Sunday, 33 22 loss to the new Orleans saints as Washington drops to two and three, but David somehow uh, to me, this feels a little bit worse than two and three and an 11 point loss uh, as we kind of discuss. So we'll go right now and we'll kind of finish up our offensive analysis. And I, 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 because I just went on a little bit of a long uh, rant about Taylor Heineke and, and obviously you had your thoughts. Maybe we can you know, kind of spread the ball if you will <laughs> around uh, a, a, a little bit and kind of talk about the rest yeah. of the offense. And uh, I'll, I'll just say this, listen, it's really hard to win a game when your Pro Bowl right guard is obviously mm-hmm. out when your second round right tackle uh, who has played reasonably well, certainly uh, run blocking was, um, you know, he goes out early in the game, uh, tries to go back in, uh, re-injures it again. Who knows how long he's going to be out now, meaning Sam Cosme. I understand they are challenged. Uh, Curtis Samuel got re-injured again. Or, or at least banged up again, and they pulled the rope on him. Um, you know, they, they were without Logan Thomas. They were uh, certainly without Cam Sims and Diami Brown. I understand it all. However, that being said, while you can look at that situation and say, yeah, that's certainly a problem, I don't think this offense was really crisp in any way. You mentioned a long drive. They had... Uh, a a a, a um, what was it? A third. Uh, let me see here. A twelve-play drive for seventy-two yards that wound up with a field goal from Dustin Hopkins. They had a fourteen-play drive that went for sixty-nine yards that also ended up in a field goal for Dustin Hopkins. I'm not sure what that tells you, David, but it tells me that. When they needed to make plays, when they needed to make the right play, the big play, to get seven instead of three, it simply was not there.
0: Yeah, and it's it's the difference, really, from an offensive standpoint of imposing your will on your opponent and your opponent failing to stop what you're doing. Those two things are completely different, and... You look back at some of the some of the touchdowns that we've seen from this team, especially in the red zone uh, so far in the season. And most often it's a blown coverage. It's a missed assignment. It's, you know, creative, sometimes creative play design that kind of opens something up or it's just a really amazing play. You go back to that Terry McLaurin 17 yard touchdown catch against the Atlanta Falcons. It's a great individual effort by a skill position player to make something happen. But when those things don't happen, this offense is right now failing, is, is failing to kind of find that punch, that ability to say, Look, it doesn't matter what you're going to do as a defense. It doesn't even matter if you know what's coming. We're still going to be able to execute our offense because we're just that comfortable and we're that good at executing it. And again, like you mentioned, this is a defense in New Orleans that you should be able to do some of those things. I'm not expecting a touchdown on every single drive, but to go into the red zone, I think they were in the red zone. They ended up in the red zone like four or five times in this game and to not walk away with multiple touchdowns and to settle multiple times for field goals instead of touchdowns. Uh, on top of the interceptions, and then yeah, not to not trying to beat a dead horse here, but again, when you talk about the youth and the inexperience, that's not necessarily an excuse uh, for a guy like Taylor Heineke in a situation with a team like this one. Because again, um, unless you know the Washington Football Team fan base and, and the franchise themselves are gonna are gonna execute an extreme about face uh, in the last ten minutes since we started recording, nobody is interested in giving Taylor Heineke three to five years to develop as an NFL quarterback and learn that when you're down four points you cannot throw a ball like you did on fourth down give give the new orleans saints the ball basically in field goal try range right i know they've had their own kicking situations uh, going on as well but you're basically giving them the ball in range to put more points up on the board in the fourth quarter you've got to either throw that ball away and live and live to the punt or like you mentioned he he could have ran 3 4 or 5 different times during the course of that play even if you don't get the first down you give your punter more time or more space give tressway the opportunity to put the ball flip the field Give your defense the opportunity. There's no guarantee they stop them, but give your defense the opportunity to keep the Saints from going on the field. Instead, you give them a short field. You put your defense right up against the goal line from the start, and I mean, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they have to score a touchdown there, but you're not really giving your defense that's already struggling a whole lot of opportunities, and that kind of segues us, Chris, into that defense, flipping over. Chase Young gets his first sack of the season. That's great. It's a strip sack, even better. It's a fumble recovered by the Washington football team defense. Superb. Everything's perfect. That, that that sack play, 100% A-plus, uh, no problem there. However, for, for the game, and you kind of mentioned offensive line woes, right? This Washington football team defense comes away with just two sacks. Daron Payne and Chase Young, they both get the sacks in the game. You talk about the Washington football team offensive line, New Orleans Saints offensive line missing their starting center missing a guard. And then, oh, by the way, they lose their tackle, Andrews Pete, on the exact same side of the ball. They're already missing a guard. You talk about an offensive line that should have been there for the taking for this defense. If in any way, shape, or form this defensive front, this pass rush was going to start to become what everybody thought they wouldn't the be getting. This is it. You got a defense or an offensive line in New Orleans. Two fifths is already out. And it's their it's two of their most important parts, to be quite honest with you. And then uh, another part, I mean Andrew's peanut in the back in the game, but he's at least hobbled at, at best, you know, if not completely injured. This is a game where they should have had three to five sacks in minimum. And this is a quarterback in Jameis Winston, long developing passes bomb plays big plays play action they should not have had and had the problems getting to Jameis Winston like they did and he ends up with 279 yards and on the flip side of this that's 279 yards he only completed 50% of his passes yeah. and yeah. he throws he throws four touchdowns so it's almost like you know mirror images between Heineke and Winston here uh what are your what are your takeaways on the defense
2: all right, so we'll start with you know I guess part of your main point, and you're right. I didn't really think hard enough about this, but it's an excellent point. No, Teron Armstead—he's one of the best young tack- left tackles in the game. No, Eric McCoy. We started knowing that, and like you said, they, they then lost Andrew Pete uh, during the game. He did come back towards the end. Um, so you're right. They probably you know, and at times there was that pressure that you're looking for, right? Not only on the chase sack and forced fumble, but I thought Deron Payne looked pretty good. But I didn't. See see Enough, right? I didn't see enough out of honestly Jonathan Allen. I know he had one or two pressures. I didn't see enough out of uh Montes Sweat, quite honestly. Um, I, I really didn't, and, and you know, chase you know, here and there, but just not enough consistency, quite honestly. Uh, I didn't see enough in terms of a pressure package. Like I thought I saw more and maybe I'll see it differently on tape. I saw more pressure packages and more creative pet pressure packages in Atlanta last Sunday than I think I saw live Mm -hmm. and in living color here on Sunday. And again, maybe I'll think differently when I go back and slowly uh, watch it. But here, here's the one thing that I I will just say the big overarching uh, picture, David, how many times, um, you know, and I'm not trying to pat myself or anything on the back, but you know, everybody when everybody was bitching and moaning for lack of a better term about Chase Young and the linebackers, mm-hmm. how many times did I say, yeah, but David, let's remember that this is that's the secondary on this team. Mm-hmm is not good right now is not playing well and that started with Kendall Fuller and William Jackson the 3rd and the safeties and we went over it all and I highlighted how you know WJ3 had this miscommunication and and had a defensive pass interference in every game and so on and, and got beat here and got beat there and 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 of course we all knew how bad they were on third down you look up and down across the you know board in this game You cannot allow a 72 yard touchdown Mm -hmm. pass catch and run to Deontay Harris and I know he's I I know they get paid too you cannot allow that Um, I know Jameis Winston has a hose too you cannot allow it once again a communication coverage bust you cannot allow the Hail Mary at the end of the half when you seem to be playing for something short or intermediate so that you don't give up like a lot of yardage and then you get caught with your pants down basically around your ankles when they go deep for a 49 yard touchdown you cannot get three receivers lined up on one side on the second marquez callaway touchdown and basically get william jackson the third your primary top corner guy who's making 14 and a half million dollars a year picked and rubbed out of the play yeah. and 10 yards behind the receiver i mean these kind of things these miscommunications coverage busts, whatever you want to call them And the tackling stinks, but these kind of things just cannot continue to happen at the alarming rate that they're happening. Because now, you know, the first three games, they weren't giving up enormous explosive plays the last two games, Cortrell Patterson last week once in at Atlanta and there should have been another one with Calvin Ridley and then today with the 49 yard Hail Mary, okay, maybe you you know live with that whatever, but then the 72 now it's becoming on explosive, big, dynamic, game-changing plays that you're having all of these issues and you have no chance, no chance to compete and hold an opponent to, I don't know, 24, 25 points, somewhere in that range right. if you have these kind of gaffes. All right, guys, what's your favorite Bilt Bar flavor? And Maybe there's one thing that can make you feel better after another disappointing effort from the Washington football team, and that is a delicious built Bar. You know Bilt Bar has nine delicious uh, normal flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor. That's where I think they really hit it out of the park. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, that's David's favorite, peanut butter brownie, uh, one of my favorites favorites double chocolate salted caramel there's really something for everyone if you haven't tried all the flavors maybe you want a mixed box where you can get two of each of the nine flavors just get to builtbar.com and built.com and they'll be able to help you out not only are built bars awesome tasting but they're great for you high in protein low in calories low in sugar and net carbs four to five grams of sugar and net carbs per bar. How can you beat that? It'll easily replace that bowl of ice cream for a late night dessert order today, get the raspberry, the mint brownie, again David's favorite or whatever you want. Go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code locked 15 for 15% off
4: at bill.com. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
5: Hey guys, David Rooster, this is Walt in Tampa. Wow, this is right after the game. I had the call, and first of all, uh, thank you for just being here on on air, and and thank you for for putting my call on on uh, on the on your show. Man, uh, you know, I've been around this team since George Allen. I have never seen a team look as bad as we did. And the problem with that is we have more talent. I've never seen so much talent look so so bad. You know, it makes you wonder if the, the defensive playbook is written in Russian. It's like no one knows what to do. Uh, the Hail Mary. Simple things. Hell, Mary, you jump up and you knock the ball down. The hell, Mary, no defensive player left the ground. Man, this is real frustrating. You know, um, uh, when we were deep uh, 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 and we had the ball like on the two, we ran three straight plays, just dives, It's like we gave up on even trying to make anything happen. I mean, at some point, when do we look at, the coordinators, because I don't think Ron's going anywhere right now. Um, the coordinators would be gone before he's gone. Man, this, is, um, this was a pitifully injured team, deflated team, not trusting their quarterback. And they were able to do the things they, they, they did to us. You know, uh, Taylor Heineke's Taylor Heineke. You know, we, we knew, at least I did, there was going to be a game or two like this guys um unfortunately unfortunately i think locked on and you guys on locked on is about all i have to look forward to this season uh keeping me on top of things and entertaining me guys you're doing a great job i've been with rooster from the very beginning i'm the guy who couldn't stand him at first but now hey he's my favorite guy hey thanks again and um I'll be listening this week, and let's try to figure out where does the team go from here. Thanks a lot,
0: Walt from Tampa. Fantastic call, as always. Appreciate hearing from you. Again, we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Washington Football Team podcast. Our immediate analysis following the Washington Football Team's thirty-three twenty-two loss to the New Orleans Saints. Washington falls to two and three on the season. And, and Chris, real quick, you were talking about the secondary there as we left segment two, and, and you were talking about that touchdown pass, that second one to Marcus Calloway. And, you know, for those who maybe can't remember it or didn't see it happen or whatever, the, the, you know, Saints have three receivers lined up on the left side of the formation. So Washington goes out there, mans them up, lines them up and listen, I'm not an NFL defense coordinator. You know what I mean? I've never been a, a major college defense coordinator, but I do know a thing or two about some of the things that have been done in NFL history and, and among teams uh here specifically in the National Football League. And, and there are two kind of typical I'm going to call them typical right ways of handling a situation like that from a defense and you either play lanes or you play depths. you've either got one guy who's supposed to play the short route a guy who's supposed to play the medium and a guy who's supposed to play the deep or you take left center and right and you stay in your lanes, but you have to make sure you don't get in each other's way. What happened in that play? Just like you described it, all three of the guys basically stayed manned up. So when they ran that cross, that switch, because that's all they're like, you're never going to have a situation where an offense lines three wide receivers up on one side of the field and they don't run some sort of misdirection. Whether there's a cross, whether there's a twist, whether there's a bend, whatever it is, whether there's a double move or a combination of two, there was one in this route. In this route combination, Chris, there was one misdirection. All that happened is Marquez Callaway ran from the inside around his guys to the outside, and that was it. That is all as creative as New Orleans Saints got on that play call, and it completely baffled the Washington football Team secondary. So that bleeds right into your conversation while you're talking about the coordinators, you're talking about the coaching. When does it come on? When does it fall on them? Well, it falls on them every single week, right, But. At the end of the day, we've talked about this before, the the players have to go out there and execute what the coaches are teaching. But if they're not, it is imperative and it's on the coaches to either start altering the way you're teaching, altering the way you're calling, or you alter the players that are getting snaps. I think that's where people are starting to get to the point too. We've got a full episode tomorrow, Walt, where Chris and I are going to dive deeper into some of our takeaways. Maybe that'll be part of it. The coaching discussion will come up. But, Chris, segment three here, we want to – I'm, I'm a resiliency trainer, right? I'm a University of Pennsylvania trained resiliency trainer. And Mark, my guy out there at Fort Stewart, is going to recognize this. We're going to hunt the good stuff. That's how you kind of <laughs> stay positive, right? We're going to hunt the good stuff here. We're going to identify some plays of the game. We're going to identify some players of the game because it wasn't all bad. It's it's overall bad. And some fans, maybe you don't want to hear it, but you know, these, these slivers of positivity from your team, that's what kind of keeps you hanging on keeps you on life support so that you can thoroughly enjoy the Super Bowl season to come. Whenever that happens. So uh, let's start with play the game. And Chris, I'm going to make mine quick, real quick. Cole Holcomb's interception. Why? It's the very first drive against an opponent opening the opening the game that they did not give up any points and it came on interception. Cole Holcomb has easily been the best linebacker on this team in 2021. He comes up with the play. Not a huge athletic play by him or a great read and break on a ball. It kind of, you know, right place, right time type of situation. But again, being in the right place, right, that's the key word, being in the right place according to the play call is, is actually an underrated value for somebody on this defense right now. So I want to give Cole props for that and the interception breaking at least one streak in this game.
2: Yeah, and I agree with you uh, on that. Um, and, and that ball was targeted for Taysom Hill and Cole Holcomb had enough depth, which we haven't always seen out of the linebackers yeah. this year. And uh, you know, maybe uh, again a better throw by Jameis Winston beats him. I'm not sure, but Cole Holcomb was right in the right spot. I'm going to go with Chase Young, the sack and forced fumble, um, because really that was in addition to the Cole Holcomb uh, interception. Maybe you can argue the Deron Payne sack. You know that that Chase Young sack and forced fumble, obviously, for me. Uh, is the most impactful play uh, outside of, again, the Cole Holcomb interception. It's the other turnover for Jameis Winston. It's Chase's first sack of the year. I thought he should have had a half sack in the Giants' win on Thursday night football. They never gave it to him. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, Bottom line is this, they obviously had no choice but to give it to him. And again, the forced fumble and the recovery by Deron Payne, uh, all all in conjunction with each other. Um, And I would say this, you know, they, they, again, out of these two momentum plays, David, the one thing in common for me is the defense made those plays, but they didn't get enough yield offensively, and you know, in in um, an extension to those momentum-changing plays, which is hugely, hugely disappointing.
0: Yep, absolutely. And then players of the game, Chris. I'm going to go with DeAndre Carter. I wrote a profile about him for SI.com before the game, talking about how you know because the injuries with De- with DeAndre Brown, Cam Sims out. Uh, stuff like that, even Curtis Samuel still a little bit hobbled and ended up coming off the field for this game. That this was an opportunity for guys like DeAndre Carter, like Dax Milne to really come out here and kind of show that they can also contribute on the field on offense. DeAndre Carter comes away with four catches, 62 yards, targeted eight times. So, you know, Taylor Heineke was, uh, was looking for him. Three yards shy, DeAndre Carter, of his career high in a single game, 65 yards is his career high from 2019. So very good game for him on a personal level showed the offense that he can be relied on as a weapon from, from, from time to time and, you know, might be, might be able to work himself into more regular work once everything kind of settles down and has at least shown that he deserves a spot on this team, not from just a special team standpoint, but
2: also from an offensive standpoint. I definitely think he brings them some juice and they are going to need it, especially if Curtis Samuel is going to be iffy the rest of the year. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson. Maybe this is low hanging fruit, but I'll give him credit. Number one, he's dealing with a shin injury. That doesn't sound, uh, that doesn't sound great, quite honestly, and we'll have to maintain and monitor and watch it all year long to make sure it doesn't get worse. He was only twenty of sixty on the ground for a three yard average, uh, but he did have two rushing touchdowns, one and five yards. I uh, had a couple of catches again, nothing special there, a nine yarder uh, and a three yarder, two for for twelve. But you know, when you're looking at this offense. It's hard to argue anybody else really deserves, you know, again, an boy, a player of the game, a, you know, a cold beer or whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to give them outside of Antonio Gibson. Um, and that being said, I'll just roll this in. When your quarterback is struggling as much as Taylor Heineke was today, I think that's where Scott Turner really, 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 really needs to get more and more emphasized Uh, on the run game. And there was one drive where he did and they ran, you know, a good amount, I think was on that 13 play drive that ultimately fell short. Uh, and, And I'm not saying that the run game didn't have its issue on that drive. They did on a second down Antonio Gibson collided with Ricky Seals Jones. I understand that. But to me, that was the one thing that was when the offense started to sizzle a little bit on a otherwise bleak day. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Camion and Walt in Tampa. And by the way, Walt, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you uh, for, uh, you know, kind of turning around on your view of me. I- all, all I can do is, is ask for everybody uh, to evolve with time uh, and and to not hate me. That's all I can ask for. Thank you, everybody, for making today's episode of the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen of the day. And make sure you come back tomorrow as we dive a little bit deeper and share our in-depth takeaways from this week five Washington football team loss. Now, make your second lesson t- uh, listen today, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock, former NFL scout Matt Williamson, give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free available on all platforms. If you want to hop in on the voicemail like Camion and Walt did, 301-615-3577. That's 301-615-3577. We will continue to roll them in as part of the show, or if you want to email us, it's locked wftpod at gmail.com. All right, once again, thanks again for joining us, Washington football fans. Reminder, we are free and available on all platforms. For David Harrison, WFT beat writer, for SI.com's fan nation, cover of the Washington football team. I'm Chris Russell here FedEx Field, one half of the Russell and Medhurst show on the Team 980 in Washington, D.C., available on the Odyssey app with Pete Medhurst from 3 to 7. We'll be back with another episode shortly right here on the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast.